Hello, welcome to Scripts for Shredding. My name is Elliot Brotherhood, and today we are talking about, oh boy, it's the day, finding the suit. Uh, this show is thus far one of the, I believe, the only show that has ever been produced in some capacity. Um, so we're we're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna have we're we're gonna kind of do a special little uh, thing because, oh boy, uh, this was quite a wild ride. Uh, so, just a little bit about how we're doing this, because we're structuring this a little bit differently than how we normally do things on this podcast. Uh, we're going to do a two-episode special for this show. Uh, one episode for each uh, production that was done of this. So, this episode will focus on the production that was done at Next Generation Theatre Company in 2016. And the next episode will focus on the production that was done at Pathways High in Milwaukee in 2018. So, uh... And and to fo- so so here's the thing. Usually I do like this sort of treatment thing at the end where I explain what I would do differently. For this episode, I'm I'm not going to do that because the next episode is about a totally different version of the script w- that does things differently. So uh, instead of doing that at the end of this episode, uh, we're going to. Uh, Go over a few uh, testimonials from from some of the actors from this production who were gracious enough to offer their uh, comments uh, uh, about their experience with this show because it was so different than um, anything really we'd ever done leading up to this point in our lives. And, and still, I, I truthfully, I believe it still is because, you know, it, it was something that was completely... Uh, put up and and developed completely on, on our own and and uh it was a super unique experience so uh you know we'll, we'll talk about uh some of those you know that the experience and and the things that we did in this show would not have been possible without the people who were you know contributing to it and uh supporting not only me but but you know the the theater company in general that we had started so uh you know i i really wanted to get their takes on this production and this experience because uh, it, it was a wild one and and quite funny and and ridiculous at times, but also a meaningful one in a, in an interesting way. So uh, I, I I thought I'd set aside some time to talk about that. So um, before we we just jump right in here, uh, let me give you some background on this production specifically. So uh, we've talked about two other shows that I mentioned. I wrote sort of in this batch of shows for this. Uh, second season at Next Gen, which was, uh, again, Next Generation Theatre Company was a uh, small collective of young, you know, we, we were in high school, like, between the ages of 14 and 16, probably, and it was just a young collective of, uh, a small collective of young theatre artists and, uh, you know, actors and, and you know, theatre makers, essentially, if, if I could even use that phrase, and it was put together by uh, a good, good friend of mine by the name of Gabe Onderley. Uh, who is an incredible uh, person and an incredibly resourceful person, and uh, uh, you know he he was he put this thing together himself, and it was it was a great accomplishment, truthfully, for for a kid who was his age at the time. But truthfully, still, even now, you know it's it's not easy to organize that kind of stuff, and and he really he really took charge and and was very resourceful with it. Um, so this show was written. For in the same you know batch as it were as uh, uh, the uh, God upon this earth and um, Mr. Doyle and the Doctor and obviously this show was the one that got you know put up 
by by our our little theater company. So uh, I wrote this when I was in in uh, Delaware, when I was uh, spending a couple months out there as my younger brother did a production of To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, and when we came back, we we kind of workshopped these shows, and we decided, you know what, this one kind of tackles uh, some uh, subjects and things that we feel are are prevalent and and uh, worth talking about for for uh, audiences that were sort of based in the same age age range as we were uh, back then. So uh, the show focuses on. You know, as we did with our, our first season at Next Gen, we did one show, and it was called Without Notice, and it focused sort of on, you know, problems that were prevalent for teens and that teens face, specifically with mental health. So, um, this show was done uh, as a way of tackling uh, anxiety in general. It, it was a show that was sort of about anxiety, and, and our, our main protagonist, as you'll see, suffers greatly with anxiety, and it's sort of his journey of uh, o overcoming his anxiety, or, or, or learning to understand and, you know, live with it, as it were. Um, so, and there's an allegory here that, um, for those of you who, who don't really know what this show is about, or, or you know, aren't, aren't privy to... Uh, <laughs> what this was, what was going on here, you know, I'm kind of going off the, the, the fact that at the current moment, my, my current audience base is probably mostly people that I, I, I know, so, uh, just for those of you, even if, even if you are in the minority, if you're not fully aware of, you know, what this show is all about, uh, I don't want to spoil the, uh, the shock value of, um, what the, the allegory I use to uh, illustrate how courage and fear kind of commingle and and butt heads in our minds. What uh, uh, <laughs> what that entails, uh, because it's it's a um, it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting allegory. Not one that doesn't work at times. Truthfully, it does work at times. It just uh, you'll see what I mean. So uh, yeah, it was done in 2016 at uh, Next Gen. And uh, I was wearing a lot of hats at this point for this production because I had written it and I was also directing it and I was also acting in it. So uh, there were a lot of things that I, I guess you could say that I was juggling and, and um, <laughs> it undoubtedly uh, it, it affected my ability to, dare I say, carry out specifically my, my performance in, you know, learning my lines. Uh, it... it, it impeded my ability to do that well <laughs> so uh there were um so, some uh <laughs> awkward moments throughout the run of this show as as i was trying to uh you know juggle all those things but you know again as i've said for for other shows that i've written in this time i don't want to be too hard on myself uh because you know i was a kid and i was trying to put this together and i was very passionate about it and, th and this show truthfully holds a very dear place in my heart, and I think for, for, maybe I'm, I'm being a bit presumptuous here, but I think even for the, the rest of the cast, it, it was a very special time, and these memories mean so much to us, and, you know, it was, even, even though it was ridiculous, that was kind of what made it, what made it beautiful, and what made these memories meaningful, because, uh, you know, we were so passionate about it, but, that that is not to say that there is not it does not have its fair share of uh, ridiculous moments and and facets and and 
all that good stuff. Um, so, speaking of the other people that were involved in this production, who was involved in this production? Well, um... Here's the thing. We we have a this show obviously it was, you know, put up. We actually do have a uh recording of it. So I will at times uh just as a heads up, I will for this episode at times actually play some of that audio for you uh, as it is appropriate. And um you will hear uh the voices of the other uh cast members who were involved in this show and uh so I I feel like it it's important to kind of read off who those people were. So Finding the suit at Next Generation Theater Company in the year 2016 uh, was played by the following cast. Nathan was played by Gabe Onderly. A character personifying courage was played by Elliot Brotherhood. A character personifying fear was played by Avery Mitchell. Maggie was played by Casey Dobson. Gina was played by Isabel Onderly. Dr. Harriet Young was played by Kai Liebenstein. <laughs> the church representative and other ensemble members was played by Tori Trittine. And other ensemble members and young Nathan were played by Jack Trittine. And also Isabel Onderly played young Maggie. And, you know, th- those people also doubled as... Uh, I, I, th- I think except for Casey, who played Maggie, the rest, every, everyone else doubled as, you know, ensemble members so that they weren't, <laughs> you know sitting in, in backstage the whole time when, when they weren't doing their their you know one scene for this show um and the ensemble was kind of this uh <laughs> I'll get to the ensemble actually I'll explain it more you'll you'll understand um and you know we all keep in touch I was I was just talking to them today as we were uh or as I was preparing for this episode and I was like hey I'm doing this thing and uh, they, they were all like oh Cool. You know, we, we all uh, keep in touch and we're all still good friends because, you know, we we, we did this kind of stuff for, for a while together and, and it really bonded us together. And, and we're, we're all, you know, still, even though we're, we've gone off and we're, we're doing new and better and bigger, I, I guess, things, uh, you know, the, the, we, we always kind of uh, hold this in our hearts, and, and we're still, you know, in, in a way, we're still kind of close. I'm, I'm especially close with, uh, the, the young woman who played the, uh, church representative and other ensemble members, uh, Tori Trittine, because she is my current girlfriend. Um, (laughs) at this time when we were, uh, you know, 16, we weren't dating, but, uh, (laughs) it's more recent development, I guess you could say. So, um, uh, (laughs) just a funny thing i guess you could say that i i keep in touch with her uh more than more than any of these people so uh you know we 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 uh keep up i guess you could say so um yeah that's that's the cast um so yeah i guess i guess we should just jump right into it uh this is Finding the Suit, the Next Generation Theater Company production. It was 46 pages, the word count was 8,242, and the runtime of the show was roughly 40 minutes. It could be said that it was closer to 35, uh, because, you know, we, we, we did this play in two acts, it was about 46 pages, so it, it ran about 40 minutes, but uh, we, we also included, for some you know, maniacally nonsensical reason, we included a 20-minute intermission. So uh, the audience sat down for the show for 20 minutes, then kind of just meandered around between after that for the same amount of time, and then finished out with that second act. 
So, um, let, let's just jump right into it. So we start with a sort of dream sequence that, um, is not explicitly said, but is heavily implied. It, it takes place in Nathan's mind, and it's sort of showing his, his, I guess, growing anxiety that, you know, gets out of hand, and I'm just going to read this first stage direction to start us off. Because you, 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 the the allegory will become abundantly clear about two sentences in. So, Act One, Scene One. The stage is shrouded in darkness. A young boy, Nathan, enters from the vom and takes center stage. He he has an expression of slight worry on his face. Suddenly, here we go, guys. Suddenly, Batman is thrown onto the stage and falls to his knees. We can barely see him because it is so dark. Another man prances on stage, laughing. This is the Joker. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The physical personifications of courage and fear in this play are, in fact, Batman and the Joker. So... If you if you can under, you'll you'll see you'll you'll understand probably more as I as I continue. Also, just stop it for a second. Another man prances on stage. This is not the la the last time I use the term prance to describe Joker running around pr prancing on stage. And it should be said, Avery Mitchell played the Joker, so it was a woman, uh, which was super fun. But uh, <laughs> it's a weird term to use prance. He pranced on stage. Maddie is a schoolboy. Oh. Uh, so, anyway, Batman stands up, only to be grabbed by the Joker. Nathan reacts to this, as if he is slightly more afraid than he was before. Joker beats Batman up. Batman blocks one of Joker's punches, only to take a hit to the gut. He falls to the ground. The Joker takes this opportunity to start stripping him of his suit. He just starts ripping his clothes off. Um, the boots, the gloves, the body armor, the cape... With every article that is removed, Nathan becomes even more afraid. Joker finally removes the cowl, revealing the face of Bruce Wayne. What a... What a reveal! My my, my lanky-ass 15-year-old, 16-year-old face revealed as Bruce Wayne, and it should be said, this is important, that I had very bushy brown sideburns on the side of my face at, at, at this time in my life, which I refuse to shave for some reason, because, well, I, I like looking like a middle-class gentleman in his early 30s who lived in London in the 19th century, who was, you know... <laughs> going to die of the plague soon, and... Anyway, I'm getting off track. Uh, that's important to remember, because, uh, that cowl, which was made of urethane leather, and, and is still in my possession, as a matter of fact, it's, stand, it's, it's sitting about ten feet away from me, I'm looking at it right now, um, it was very painful to get on, because it would, the leather would pull at my sideburns, and hurt me, um... So, what is our, our solution to that problem? Clearly, to shave the sideburns, right? Wrong. Uh, absolutely refuse to, to get rid of that look. Uh, so, we, we th thought of a different way. We, we came up with a different way of handling that problem, which I'll get to later. Uh, and also, it should be said, I still have the suit. I, I spent the whole budget, basically, of this show. Not that we, we had as a theater a budget. It was a budget that, you know, I had kind of put together myself. But, so it should be said, I, I did not spend company resources on this, luckily. But, uh, 
I basically put together this legit Batman suit made of, you know, kind of motorcycle armor. It was with shin guards and, and you know, body armor and, and this the cape that my mom helped me make. And by helped, I mean she made it for me. And uh, I still have it. It's sitting about three feet away from me in a closet uh, collecting dust as this, this show is now collecting dust in my computer. Anyway... So, uh, Nathan falls to his knees, covering his face with his hand. The Joker smiles and laughs giddily, and, uh, says, Look at him, Bats! He's with me now! And weirdly, there, there's a line that inform or, or a parenthetical that informs this line. It says, Evilly. Evilly. Can, can you make the word evil an adverb? I mean, I guess you could, but <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't look very correct. Um, so, so basically, if you're picking up what I'm putting down at this point... It's called finding the suit because uh, every time Nathan takes a step towards, you know, overcoming or, or understanding his anxiety, he finds a piece of the suit, whether it's the boots or the, the you know, the body armor, the cape, whatever. So, not, I guess not a terrible idea, and, and it does work at times, uh, and, and it, you know, the idea that, you know, it's... This this notion that uh, courage is is made up of a multitude of things that we have to, you know, keep in our minds if when going out into the world and, and you have to keep those things in, in, in close to you if you're going to go into the world with confidence. So, you know, it's... The idea is there. Um, but the inclusion of Batman and the Joker is, is what is, uh, at times, uh, rather interesting, shall we say. So, after this scene that takes place in Nathan's mind, we are in his room and his younger sister, Gina enters and truthfully the the interesting thing about Gina is that the, the Joker is our antagonist clearly being the personification of you know fear anxiety but you know Gina the way she speaks she comes off almost as like a a secondary antagonist she she she's a character that like you know show me a character that that feels like a villain but isn't a villain it's gina because every word that comes out of her mouth is scathing and rude uh so you know you know uh she she isn't but she somehow feels like a someone that's committing terrible you know a criminal uh in in this in this uh story because she's so rude so um she comes in nathan's on his bed and Gina says, hey, uh, you, you want to go to the mall with us? And Nathan kind of says, I don't really feel like it. And Gina kind of berates him for, for not wanting to go, saying that, you know, he doesn't really want to do anything lately and what's going on. And Nathan kind of snaps back, you know, I'm fine, just leave me alone. And they go to the mall. And then the Joker enters with his ensemble of, uh, you know, goons, similar to, you know, the comics. Uh, which was affectionately referred to by us as the Joker Squad, which was something that uh, Jack Tratine, Tori's younger brother, actually kind of came up with and and sort of took the lead on in in a way. It, it was it was he had a lot of fun with it. It was a super fun little thing that we did, just so that they the rest of the cast kind of had a you know everyone else was playing their parts, but you know when they so that they had more to do that they were doing other things that were were meaningful on stage and not just coming on for their scene and then going off. So uh, th th that is a thing in this show, the, the Joker Squad, which is his ensemble of goons. Um, and they come in, and, and the Joker kind of says something about how, uh, 
you know, he, he's, Nathan isn't feeling any emotions here. Let, let me just, let me, let me, let me read this scene. Uh, he says, Joker comes out and goes, there's that look, and Nathan doesn't respond, and he says, oh, don't be so cross, you'll get used to the feeling. Cross? Don't be so cross. I, as a 16-year-old boy, wrote, wrote the word cross, which isn't, I guess, a, a word that the Joker wouldn't say. <laughs> just cross. <laughs> very, very interesting term to use. Nathan says, what feeling? And Joker says, that's exactly it. You're not feeling anything. You're as hollow as a gutted pig carcass. Awful. Like, just terrible. Why would you say that? All your little emotions are bottled up inside with no hope of escape. It's kind of interesting, really. I didn't really mean to do that to you. It's just sort of a side effect. Don't know why, really. Um, which, you know, it's kind of the idea that when, when in a state of anxiety, emotions are muddled or seem absent completely, so it's not unreasonable, but, you know, you're as hollow as a gutted pig carcass. Why, why did you say that? <laughs> you could have just said, you know, you're, you're hollow, you're a shell of a man. Why, a gutted pig carcass? Why, why go there? That's disgusting. And then Bruce Wayne enters, and he is without his suit. He looks ashamed, and Joker loves this. And he says, but what I do know is that this sad sack of alpaca puss can't do nothing about it. Again, just foul visual. Why say something like that? And and I got that line, sad sack of alpaca pus, because I had a teacher my freshman year of high school that said that a lot. So I guess I put that in there because I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, Not something, again, that Joker wouldn't say. It's just, ugh, like, ugh, it's kind of, makes me feel yucky <laughs> to say that. And then uh, the Joker leaves with his Joker squad. And Nathan is confused. Why isn't Batman stopping the Joker? And and we'll see. So, so here's here's what he says. He says, uh, why can't you stop her? Nathan says that. And Bruce says, because I lost my suit. Nathan says, what What do you mean you lost your suit? And Bruce says, I, I can't find it anywhere. I'm serious. You may find it ridiculous, but sometimes a man loses his $2 million bat suit. It happens. Uh, so, and, and we'll talk about this a bit as we continue. One of the, the problems here is that it's not... Bruce slash Batman is supposed to be the personification of courage in Nathan's mind. But there are times where the way he talks, it's confusing if he's supposed to be personifying courage or if he's actually supposed to be Batman. You know, does he exist in this kind of comic book world? Or is he... Does he exist in, in the real world? He's just kind of... He's not self-aware it's confusing. Is he aware that he is a mental, uh, a figment of Nathan's imagination? Or is he, is, is he kind of going through the world under the impression that he is actually Batman? Confusing. Also, we never really established Nathan as like a comic book fan. So that's another thing. Just some, some <laughs> critiques <laughs> as we go. And then Nathan responds to this $2 million Batsuit line with a terrible line. He says, you're right. You know, just the other day, my dad misplaced his trident. And don't even get me started on how many times my mother has lost her lasso of truth. Just shamelessly ham-fisting references to other DC Comics characters. It's just, ugh. Uh... And, you know, it's it's establishing, you know, we need to find... If you see any pieces of my suit lying around, uh, let me know. So then Nathan gets a text from his best friend Maggie, who says, Hey, I saw Gina and your parents at the mall. They said you weren't feeling good. Are you doing okay? And Nathan says... He says, Everything's just dandy. Thanks. Again, dandy? Why are we using these words? Cross dandy? 
what why these are uh, uh, gabe was what 14 at the time that we did this putting the word dandy into the mouth of a 14 year old boy what are you talking about dandy jeez uh and, and then you know maggie kind of asks hey did you have another panic attack which is a, th a thing that we'll get to but that's another thing that i think causes confusion for joker's character as well but i will get to that um and nathan doesn't respond to that and then after, you know, in the last time Bruce was talking to Nathan, he said, you know, I can't do anything, I'm sorry. I have no power. Then he comes in here and he says, you can't let Joker rule you, Nathan. You can't let her rule you. Which is like, oh, okay, now you're kind of fighting back. But that's weird that you kind of were defeatist before, but now you're trying to fight back. And then, you know, Joker comes in and shuts him down. Don't listen to him. And he, and he basically lists all the reasons that Nathan should have to be afraid, stay home from the mall, stay home all the time. You, your life is a scary thing. Keep yourself safe, stay at home. He says a couple things. And these range from... He gives three examples, and they range from being very specific to being general and, and things that are completely reasonable, truthfully. Uh, which contributes to a little theory that, that I thought about as I was reading this script preparing for this episode. So he, he gives these three examples. He says, What if today's the day you get on the bus to school and it runs off a bridge? Or someone bumps you down a flight of stairs, breaking your neck. Or what if one of the hundreds of kids in your school finally snaps and, and, and there's a school shooting? So, the mention of a school shooting. Over the years, I, I as I've kind of looked back at this script, I've kind of debated, was that too far? Like, is that... And, and truthfully, looking back, I don't think it is. As unfortunate as it is, I think that... um. That's a very serious, real thing that people have to worry about nowadays. And it's terrible, but but it causes people a lot of anxiety in general. And I think that mentioning that is is not unreasonable whatsoever because, you know, it, it, everyone, you know, we walk on eggshells in situations like that now at times because it's as terrible as it is. So, um, you know, there's that. But that's a general thing. That's a general thing to be anxious about. But the other two are so specific in nature and the way that they kind of just come up out of the blue and, and kind of intrude into Nathan's mind kind of gives me this this impression that he had well make but that couldn't be he couldn't he has Nathan has anxiety he has, he has anxiety just general anxiety he couldn't no that that couldn't be but you know we'll get to that later <laughs> so um uh Bruce kind of says, no, she's she's trying to make you live in fear. No, and and basically, as every every attempt Bruce makes to argue his point is shut down by the Joker. And Nathan basically takes the Joker's side. Yeah, you know what? I'm Every now and then, it's uh, I think it's perfectly reasonable in the world we live in to kind of stay home just to for the sake of safety. And Bruce says, well, what if after a while it's not every now and then? What if it gets to the point where you're too afraid to leave your house? And you know, Joker kind of shuts him down again, and the the I guess um the scene ends with Nathan basically <laughs> the Joker wins the argument, and Nathan I guess <laughs> agrees to stay home forever. <laughs> I guess um which again not you know the, the, I should say I don't want to be my 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 goal here is not to uh at, at all to poke fun or make fun of anxiety in any way shape or form the thing is anxiety manifests itself in in ways that are completely personal to whoever is experiencing it so you know it's not 
ridiculous, and and there are those that that uh, find their their anxiety gets to a point where where they are un- unable to to do function like that. Um, but I I don't know. The conversation is just just kind of strange, you know. And and we'll get to this more in a bit as well. But Joker, Joker is not convincing as much as he is aggressive, and and. The problem is, I, I at least in you know, we'll, again, we'll get to this later. But the the idea that you know people people act, people allow anxiety to f- uh, inform their judgment and and their actions because they are convinced by it, and it is it can be a very aggressive feeling inside. But it's it's aggressive because it's convincing that there's actually danger, not because you know the Joker's thrashing you around and telling you what to do. But, uh, you know, there, there's more that I could say about that, but I'll say it later. Um, and that's kind of the end of that scene. Then, then, uh, we see Maggie comes on stage for the next scene and she calls Nathan and says, Hey, uh, are you feeling okay? And, uh, Nathan says, I'm feeling all right. And Maggie says, Hey, you gotta come, come over tonight. My cat just gave birth. She has kittens and her cat's name, her cat's name is Ace. She has a cat named Ace, which, you know, you can name a cat Ace, but, you know, it, it should be said. Originally, the memory does stir. This was Puppies, and it was named, the dog was named Ace because it was named after Ace the Bat Hound. Um, but then I switched it to Cats and kept the name Ace. And I don't know, I, I've never, I, I had a cat when I was very young. His name was Schroeder. He was very sweet until he got, you know, s- smacked by a car. And killed instantly, uh, which is funny because uh, th- there's a scene where <laughs> the same thing almost happens to uh, a-, a-, a character in in this play, but we'll get to that later. So uh, th- that's funny. There's kind of a you could say there's a th- 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 there is a correlation between that story and this play. But um, I just feel like Ace is not a cat name, Ace, especially for a female cat, Ace. C- c- come here, a- Ace, <laughs> cat. Okay. Uh, so Ace has the or Ace had these kittens, and she wants Nathan to Maggie wants Nathan to come over, and uh, then the Joker st- and and Bruce start having a little bit of a, a back and forth. You know, they they have this dichotomy, like being the angel and devil on on Nathan's shoulders, and Joker kind of mentions that, that Joker and Bruce have this kind of argument about whether it's safe for him to go, um, like physically safe, and that's that's another thing. The, the the way that Nathan's anxiety in this play manifests itself is he's constantly worried about his physical safety, which isn't a bad thing. I, I don't want to say that I mischaracterize anxiety, because again, it's something so personal to those experiencing it. Um, but I think that uh, it's not characterized enough as being something that is just this aggressive sense that something is going to go wrong. Not that there can't be a reason specifically that someone's anxious, but the, the it fixates a lot on, on you know, physical danger uh, instead of other things. So, I mean, and again, I said I wasn't going to talk about what I'd do differently, but, you know, that's something. Um, and, you know, Bruce ends up kind of winning that argument by saying, you know, her her house is just a couple blocks away. You'll be fine. And Nathan agrees, I'll be over in 20 minutes. And Maggie hangs up and, hey, cool. Uh, uh, Bruce is kind of, it's a small step forward, but Bruce is, is feeling good. So then we, we transition to Maggie's house. And uh, they're petting the kittens. And uh, then Maggie asks, uh, did you have another panic attack today? 
And Nathan says, yeah, but this one was different. This one pushed me over the edge a bit. Um, and this is another thing. We have this whole thing where the Joker is being very aggressive with Nathan. He's, he's using these aggressive tactics to get Nathan to do what he wants. And Nathan buys into it. But if Nathan is, if Nathan is aware that he has problems with anxiety and panic attacks and all that stuff, it seems weird that he wouldn't be able to identify, because part of the show is him identifying how Joker plays into things and in his mind, how the Joker, you know, what the Joker is actually manifesting in in himself, like what the Joker represents within him. He's trying to figure that out. But he's identified that he has panic attacks, so wouldn't he be able to... I don't know. You'd think that instead of being so, like, kind of agree in agreement with Joker, you'd think that he would. There would be more resistance. But he and and you know then then I'm getting off track. But that causes a, a, a contradictory argument to what I've been saying thus far, which is you know then if he's resisting, wouldn't the Joker be more aggressive? So uh, I don't know. Weird. Bringing up question. I, that's an interesting question that that's being raised to me. I I uh, I. But anyway, let's get back to our synopsis. Um. So, Maggie, basically what happens in this scene, just the gist of it, is Maggie uh, talks to him about getting help. And Nathan is kind of like, no one can help me, I, I don't want to do that, I'm, it's embarrassing. And Maggie says, no, no, it's, it's, uh, you have, like, if, if you want to get better, you should do that. I, I want what's best for you, you know, you should do that. And, and after this, they, they kind of have a back and forth about it, and, and Nathan agrees, you know what, I'll get help. I'll, I'll consider it. I'll, I'll go home and I'll see who I can reach out to. And Maggie's like, great. And then Nathan says, all right, I gotta go home. I got some homework to do. And then we see this first thing with this whole concept of, you know, finding the suit, where Maggie uh, exits for a moment as Nathan is leaving. And then she comes back and, and she says, hey, Nathan, these, are in our, these were in our front hall. Do they belong to you? And she's holding Batman's boots. So this is kind of what we do, where we have these kind of fun things throughout this show where, um... Nathan kind of finds something or someone hands something to him and it happens to be a piece of Batman's suit and it's kind of like they don't see it as being that, but Nathan does. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the first one of those. And, and uh, you know, it, he it's the boots and cool. It's a start. That's how the scene ends. Bruce saying it's a start. So we've we've made a good step forward. Then we go back to Nathan's room and... um. Joker tries to convince Nathan that Maggie is stupid or something like, and you know you can see it here. Here is where where it's sort of oh these anxiety the, the anxiety is kind of attacking how he views his friendship with Maggie. But again, it's just interesting. He says you know why do you associate yourself with someone as un unintelligent as her? And this is alarming to Nathan because you know why why is um. He's he's alarmed by this because, you know, obviously this is supposed to be uh, the personification of his inner dialogue. So he's alarmed by the thought that, huh, why, why would I have that thought about her? I, Maggie's my best friend. No, I, I don't think that about her. That's not, that's a mean thing to think. She's my best friend. No, I trust her. And it's just, he starts kind of fixating on it a bit and, and kind of going over it in his mind in this scene over and over. And, and... You know, you can't get help, you know, and it's just, again, another weirdly just comes up very in an intrusive way. And, and, you know, but general anxiety, but that seems more like, well, no, that it's not, but it's not that though, because 
Nathan has general anxiety. So, you know what? Forget it. No, that, that can't be. That can't be. So, let's move on. Um, and, uh, you know, the Joker leaves after this conversation, uh, because, you know, and Bruce now ha having his boots, he's starting to rebuild his, his suit, so he has a bit more of an ability to, uh, debate with the Joker on it. And, uh, so he kind of says to Nathan, no one can help you, dude. Like, just forget what she was saying. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's being presumptuous. She doesn't know your, your deal. Uh, and just remember, you're mine. Another very aggressive thing. He says that as he leaves. Just remember, you're mine. And he leaves. Uh, and then after the Joker leaves, he, Nathan and Bruce kind of talk. And uh, what are you doing, Nathan? And he says, I'm looking for therapists online just because I'm, I'm looking to see who I can find. And he and Bruce are looking. And, and uh, he finds this woman by the name of Dr. Harriet Young, who specializes in anxiety patients and, and young people. And, and maybe she's worth calling. And then the Joker comes in. And goes, what do you think you're doing? Very aggressively again. And, and, and Nathan responds, I'm seeking help. Which, you know, uh, f fair. I mean, it's not a bad line. It's just a little on the nose, I feel like. Like, I feel like n n a young kid seeking out a therapist wouldn't, wouldn't look at someone and say, I'm seeking help. Like, I feel like it would be like, I'm going to talk to a therapist. I just want to, maybe, maybe a therapist will make me feel better. <laughs> like this, I'm seeking help. I don't know. Not a terrible line, just a little on the nose. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Joker tries to say, she can't help you, she can't help you, this is ridiculous. And uh, she, she has another ridiculous... As, as Nathan's starting to dial the number, Joker says, this is crazy, Nathan! And Bruce responds, says the hysterical clown. Wow. Like, sick burn, Bruce. Get wrecked, Joker. Absolutely decimated. Destroyed. Got her. Uh... <laughs> And, and then Joker says something about, you know, how can you trust her? How do you know that this woman is legit? She's online. How do you know she's safe? I mean, for all we know, she could be a crazy lady who kidnaps her supposed patients. A very specific thing to be worried about. And, I, you know, it's the internet, so not completely unreasonable and un, unreal or un, unreasonable to be concerned about. But it's just another weirdly intrusive... Well, but you know that 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 can't be. Nathan has general anxiety, um, and you know Bruce takes the computer. Hey, she's associated with the American Psychological Association. She's a professional. Joker said, "Well, you read that on the internet. That could be fake." And and Bruce says, "Let's just see." Dials the number, hands the phone to Nathan. Nathan starts talking to the woman, Doctor Young, and uh, Joker mentions, "You know, he's still mine to manipulate. This isn't going to work." And Bruce says, "Why? Why should I trust you?" Uh, the, that you're a liar, blah, blah, blah. And Nathan agrees. I'm going to go see this therapist. I've set up an appointment. And uh, he's sought out help. So now, as he's going to bed, he lifts up his sheets to get into bed. And what's in the sheets but Batman's shin guards. So the way that this suit works, let me let me give you a, a, a little crash course on this. So, so it's simple uh, biker gear, basically. Um, we had to work up. So th there was a pair of shorts with these kind of thigh protection things on the sides. So I wore those because I couldn't, you know, take... I, I was wearing pants or, like, tights or something underneath. So I couldn't take them off. But, you know, I was barefoot, basically, for the first couple scenes. And I was wearing black pants with the the shorts, the biking shorts under those. 
And uh, so when we get the the boots, I just put on the boots, and then the thigh guard, or, or not the thigh guards, the uh, the 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 the, the um the the shin guards snapped on top of of just snapped right onto my legs and then uh i did that change off stage so i just lost the the at this point i just lost the pants and and you know now now i've got the first kind of up up to the torso basically of the suit and then uh we're in scene four where um nathan and maggie just finished school and maggie invites uh nathan uh over and he says i can't come out over right after school i'm i'm going to i'm going to crown hospital to see a therapist he's going to the hospital which you know uh you don't have to be a genius to know that therapists don't tend to i mean not that they they never operate out of hospitals but they tend to have separate offices it tends to be a different branch of you know uh, uh, it's not within the same, the same vein, you know, it's, it's not the the same kind of, you know, I guess you could say a therapist is to a degree, in, in, in a way, is a medical thing, but it's not, not in the same realm exactly, so why is he going to the hospital, is, is he being like, and I want to say Crown Hospital, C-R-O-W-N-E, is probably like a reference to a Batman thing, the, the, I, I, I don't remember, but I'm, I'm sure in some, uh, way it is, uh, but it's just like that's that's weird. Is he like being committed to Arkham? You might as well have just written, "I'm going to Arkham Asylum to get help from a therapist." <laughs> you know, I, I'm seeing the same one that the Mad Hatter sees. You know, cool. <laughs> I've heard he's had good success with him. Uh, so weird. He's going to a hospital instead of like a therapist's office. Um, and then as he's leaving, Maggie says, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm." Go, you want to go to a movie tonight? Uh, they, they, that new Batman movie just came out. <laughs> Again, on the nose. But and, and, you know, this was 2016, so Batman vs. Superman did come out this year. So, you know, I guess topical for the time. Uh, and he, the, the Joker comes out, oh, dark movie theaters can be a dangerous place, Nathan. Blah. And uh, Maggie kind of realizes, oh, you know what? I, I know you've been having a problem lately uh, with this. You don't have to come. It's okay. But then... Uh, Nathan decides, you know what, I'll go. And what we're setting up here is actually, from a structural standpoint in this script, ends up actually working pretty well, or, or at least it, it creates meaningful character uh, development for Nathan. So, cool. Good on you, Elliot. Kudos to you, I guess, for that, that, that probably unintentional <laughs> uh, uh, step forward in this plot. Um, so... Then we are in the next scene, which takes place in Dr. Harriet Young's office uh, for their appointment. And he, Nathan and Dr. Young, have the most bland conversation imaginable, where, you know, Dr. Young explains the mechanisms of the brain, you know, how, how when after, after getting used to this, you can get stuck in a cycle of fear. It's kind of like riding a bike where you get stuck in this cycle and it's hard to get out of the cycle. And, and, you know, she asks, what is the earliest experience you have with this kind of anxiety, this kind of fear? And there's a flashback sequence that, um, we'll get to in more detail later, but, um, essentially doesn't really support the points that that uh are, are trying to be made in this scene and, and and certainly does not answer dr young's question but um 
he explains those things and uh he he's kind of thinking you know how, how do i how do i get over this when do i get better and dr young basically says well kind it's kind of like the same thing with riding a bike you can't just stop knowing you have to kind of unteach yourself and then we have this thing where sort of uh time freezes dr young freezes and nathan the joker and bruce talk amongst themselves in nathan's mind a bit uh, where he's kind of frustrated, you know, what do you mean unteach? This is frustrating. I don't, I, when am I just, just going to get better? And, and Bruce kind of says, you know, th these things take time to undo, you know, you can't, you can't just, uh, get over it. And we'll talk about this scene a little bit more in detail later as well, because it's another example of, is he courage or is he Batman? It's not really clear. Um, but uh, th this scene ends with basically him saying, you know, you got to work towards it. Do you want to get over it? Do you want to do you want to put the work in to to, you know, unteach yourself this cycle of fear? And Nathan says yes and agrees um, to do the work with Dr. Young. So he's taken he, he's it's basically, I guess he's come to terms with with what he has to do and he's willing to put the work in now. So then this scene ends with Dr. Young. He, he it ends with him finding the body armor and he, the way he finds it is very interesting. Dr. Young ends this scene with saying, hey, um, you know, before you go, uh, I'd I'd like to give you uh, something. I always like giving something to my new patients. And, you know, you think, oh, it's going to maybe be like a little trinket or something small just as a reminder. Hey, you know what? Do, do what you can. You're doing your best. You'll, you'll, you'll get there. No. Dr. Young exits and then comes back with Batman's body armor. And she says, this has been lying around my office for a couple days now. I've, I've been looking for a good excuse to get rid of it. Like, she, she's just giving something that's been laying around her office to him? Like, she's just giving him a thing? Like, oh, here's a, here's a sweater. Because, you know, it's obviously, she doesn't see it as being, you know, Batman's body armor. But, you know, it's just like, uh, I, got a, I, got a, I got a new patient. I, I, I ran out of lollipops, so I guess here's some uh, Kevlar body armor, kid. Uh, <laughs> weird. Um, and then the scene ends, and, and you know, cool. Uh, that's the end of Act 1, actually. It ends with Bruce saying to the Joker, your grip is loosening. And then that's a blackout. End of Act 1. 20 minutes in and, uh, you know, enjoy some refreshments for the next 20 minutes. And we'll, we'll be back for Act 2 uh, as soon as we've, uh, <laughs> we've, we've had this intermission that, that lasts precisely the same amount of time as the first act. So uh, then Act 2 lights up on a movie theater. And uh, Nathan and Maggie are, are going to the movie, and Joker and Batman obviously are in tow, because that's what they, they do, the, you know, for all of this stuff. They're always there. And um, basically what happens is the movie starts, and the Joker starts, you know, going on his normal antics about everything that could possibly go wrong. One of which, again... Weirdly specific, it says, as the, you know, it's dark in here, you know, uh, you never know what someone might be doing, and, and then it says, the quiet sound of airflow can be heard in the distance, and Joker says, what's that? Hope it's not a gas leak, you know, that could make the entire building explode. Again, a very specific thing that just comes out of nowhere, and, and that we're kind of fixating on in an interesting way. It almost suggests that it's something other than generalized anxiety. It's something more specific than general anxiety. But but no, 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 guys. This this plays about anxiety. It's not about anything more specific. This is general anxiety. Nathan has anxiety, okay? And this is the last time I'm going to say it. <laughs> it's nothing more than that. So moving on.
Uh, and then jo Joker says, you know, the guy two rows back looked kind of sketchy, and oh, what is it? And, and uh, Bruce is kind of arguing more than he has before because he's, he's, his strength is growing, and he's able to keep Nathan calm for longer despite Joker's antics. And uh, then there's a someone crinkles a water bottle, and uh, Joker tries to convince Nathan that it's a gun. And uh, he and Bruce then start arguing, and it's kind of... It's actually kind of an interesting... You could argue, even though the dialogue's kind of weird... You could argue that the the actual structure of this scene in, you know, Nathan is kind of sitting there as these two parts of his mind are bickering and, and butting heads amongst each other and getting everything so jumbled up and just adding to his stress, basically. And, you know, it, it, it's getting all jumbled in his mind and it, and the, then Joker, as they're arguing, you know, uh, what are you... The, the, he, something's bad, bad is going to happen and Bruce saying no and Joker saying yes... It, they stop bickering suddenly as Joker just says, you know what, let's let Nathan decide. And and suddenly he's feeling like he's caught in the middle, he doesn't know what to do, he freezes up, and he runs out of the theater. And, and you know, we have this, this moment where he's in the lobby and, and Bruce follows him and Joker kind of makes fun of him for a second. He says, hey, no harm in being safe, let's just go home. Remember, I'm here to help, I'm not lying. And then he says, now if you'll excuse me, I must steal handfuls of popcorn while the guy working the concession stand isn't looking. Okay, can you can you tamper with things in the physical realm? Is that how this works? Um, and I mean, I guess that that line isn't terrible. It's kind of funny, but it's just like, what does what does that mean? Um, but you know, he's the Joker. You know, ooh, the perfect crime. Uh, he's so unpredictable and crazy. And then again, we have here, Joker prances off. He prances off. Uh, and again, I, I keep saying he, but it's it's her. It was it was Avery in the show, um, and then we have this moment where Bruce tries to kind of console Nathan a bit, and he says, "This is ridiculous. All these things are irrational. I feel like such a failure because now that he's outside of the situation, he's realizing how silly it it is when looking at it from from when when he's not in that state of fear, um, or not silly, but but how how kind of everything is okay, and um, he he Nathan or Bruce has this." He consoles him a bit, and then we have another couple moments where um, he 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 kind of alludes to actually being Batman again. And basically, what we've done here, as uh, you know, as I said in two scenes ago, where we were setting up this scene that actually works, Nathan has real failure. He he feels like he failed a bit, and and he he's taken these steps forward. Now he's taken a step back. And, and he's kind of thinking, you know, the audience is kind of thinking, you know, what, what's going to happen? Is he going to persevere through this? Is he going to give up? You know, we have questions, real meaningful questions. That's so, you know, I guess, cool. Probably not at all intentional on my part. Uh, probably just kind of fell into my lap, but I guess that's cool that I, I did that. Um, and then, uh, we, you know, <sighs> Bruce says something about, uh, you know, over the years I've faced impossible odds, but do you know how I managed to persevere? And Nathan says, by using your genius intellect and vast array of gadgets? <sighs> and Bruce says, no, by thinking of something worth fighting for. And, and yeah, smarts and gadgets come in handy too. <laughs> what? Is he, like, is he Batman or is he the Joker? Or, uh, is he the Joker? Is he Batman or is he courage, you know? And it, that that's not to say that, you know, that stuff cannot exist, but... It's it's not nuanced in you know enough, so it's confusing. Um, and you know, Bruce challenges him. What what do you think is worth fighting for? Nathan says Maggie, which you know, okay, sure, that's a good one. 
Then the Joker comes back in, and she's eating a tub of popcorn. Uh, and, hey, guys, uh, let's go home now. I, I win, ha-ha. But Nathan's feeling better now, so when Joker reaches in for a handful of popcorn, he pulls out Batman's gloves and utility belt. And then, uh, you know, Nathan's feeling better. Maggie comes out and says, hey, you know what? Why, why don't we just go home? I don't want to make you uncomfortable. And Nathan says, you know, you know what? I'm going to give this another try. We're going to go back in, and we're going to finish the movie. And they do that, and then the scene ends like that. Then, scene two of act two, this scene is where it gets really weird. So we're back in Nathan's room, lights up on, on Nathan's room, and, and also it should be said, it's confusing. They finish school, it could be, you know, that that was a Friday, but you know, we kind of allude to the fact that it's like a school night when they go to this film, and, and Maggie, in the other scene, says, hey, meet me at the movie theater at 8.15, like this late showing of a movie for, for these two kids on a school night. Late, sh 8.15 movie? You're like 14, man, don't you have a curfew? <laughs> Weird that you're going to a movie that late, but anyway, that, that's just a sidebar that I felt like mentioning. Um, but it's two days later, so it's Sunday. It says Nathan is lying in bed, sleeping. The Joker is lying on the ground, also sleeping, lying on the ground for some reason. And it says, Bruce is sitting on the floor, perhaps reading a comic book. Ironically, perhaps a copy of a Batman comic. Shut up, man. Just, ugh, that doesn't need to. And then it says Gina enters, and she says, rise and shine ugly. Again, why, why is she just choosing violence right out the chute? Gina, calm down. Like, I get it, you're, you're a sibling, but why are you being so aggressive with it? And, you know, uh, Nathan wakes up and, and Gina says, we're going to church. They're going to church. Um, so, uh, okay, let's, let's go to church. They all exit, shift to a church. Various people are sitting in seats all over the place. Nathan, Gina, Bruce, and Joker walk down the center aisle. You know, as you do at any, you know, <laughs> Christian congregation, I'm assuming here, because, you know, it, they're, they're describing it as church. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, Nathan, Gina, Bruce, and Joker, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the typical American family. Uh, and it says, Gina sees someone a few rows back, and she, Gina says, hey, it's Barbara, you know, like Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl. I hate you, Elliot. <laughs> she says, I'm going to sit by her, and Nathan says, what about me? And Gina says, it's not my fault you don't have anyone to sit with. Yes, it is, Gina. He was going to sit with you. W what do you mean it's not your fault? You, you're bailing on him. Also, where are your parents? Your parents aren't going to church with you. You guys are just taking it upon yourself to go to church. Like, good on you. That's pretty responsible for a 14 and, I guess, I don't know, Gina is probably a couple years younger, so maybe, like, between the ages of 10 and 12, <laughs> going taking it upon themselves to, to actively partake in, in their, you know, uh, religion. I guess, cool. Good, good for you guys, but that's weird that your parents aren't there. Uh... And then, uh, you know, they sit down, and here we have another weird scene. This scene gets so weird. It says, Joker, Nathan, and Bruce sit down. Nathan in between Joker and Bruce. He folds his, hand and pray, his hands and prays. And it says, Joker says, are you kidding me? Are you seriously praying? And Bruce says, yes, I'm fairly certain he is. And Joker says, why? And Bruce says, because we're at church. And Joker says... For crying out loud, praying is ridiculous. It's not like God is real. What? Suddenly we're having a debate about the existence of a higher power in the universe. And again, weird that he, he, that's not general a general thing. That's 
Suddenly he's he's doubting his religion and and fixating on on and being alarmed by the, the 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 possible moral implications of doubting his religion. He's basically experiencing like essentially a form of scrupulosity. But which which is indicative again of another thing that supports my theory that I've had, you know, the, the the cogs in my brain are turning and a theory's a brewing, but no, it can't be that, guys. It can't be. This is called Finding the Suit, and I didn't mention this, but there was originally a subtitle. It was Finding the Suit or the Forgotten Ideology of Courage. So we're talking about anxiety, right? We're talking about generally, like, building up courage, but interesting, huh? That, 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 that just kind of supports this theory that there's something more, something more specific going on here. But again, guys, <laughs> th that's not what's going on here. This is about simply anxiety. Am I, am, am I, am I <laughs> driving this joke into the ground yet? <laughs> that <laughs> I, I, I will not stop, but I, I, I really just want to, you'll, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. Uh, so they have this debate about the existence of God and, and whether it is a good thing or not to believe in a higher power. And uh, Nathan kind of shuts them up. He says, guys, are, are we seriously going to have an argument about religion in a church? And we were in a church when we said that. So, oh my, what? <laughs> That's meta, like, whoa. But, uh, and it's weird because he, he shuts them down, right? Nathan, Nathan doesn't really seem anxious about that, so it's kind of like Bruce and the Joker are kind of just going at it in his head, and he's just kind of there, which, you know, I guess you could say it's, it's sort of the idea of an inner monologue that, that you know, kind of occurs in the back of your mind, but still, huh. So, uh, we're in the middle of this church service, and uh, as, we're, as things are, are getting going, uh, Gina kind of sneaks over to Nathan and says, hey, just so you know, we have to be careful getting home. There's going to be a serious thunderstorm. Like, we're under a tornado watch. And, uh, you know, Joker sees this as ammunition. It literally says, Gina hastily returns to her seat. Joker smiles. To her, this news is ammunition. And she says, the Lord hath provided. Like, taunting <laughs> Nathan's religion? Which is weird. And, uh, you know, she, she starts saying, you know, tornadoes kill lots of people. What if we're, we're in a bad place? Uh, and uh, it says, everyone stands to sing a church hymn. It begins to pour and flashes of lightning can be seen. Just as everyone is about to start singing, there is a tremendous lightning flash, followed by a thunderclap, and all the lights in the church go out. There are a few screams, but everyone is drowned out by Joker's crazy laughter. Like, so basically what's happening here is we, we go to church, Nathan starts praying, and instantly we we begin this debate about the existence of God, um, and then as after that, Joker starts, you know, saying, you know, the, the thunderstorm, can, we, you are in a terrible place if, if something bad happens, the power goes out, and what we hear as as everyone is panicking and pandemonium ensues is just Joker just going, ha, 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 I'm the Joker, baby. Like, what? So that, I guess, happens, and, and, you know, Nathan starts freaking out, but Bruce finds him, and, you know, he's got most of the pieces of the suit at this point, so... He, he calms Nathan down and, you know, it's, it's the idea, you know, Nathan is, is learning how to calm himself down in these, in these, uh, extreme situations. 
and then everything kind of gets uh, uh, sorted out, but <laughs> not not quite. As as they're calming themselves down, Joker goes, "Maybe someone planned this." Who? Someone planned this? What was the plan? To to s- cut the power to the church so that like it, it kind of startled a few people, and then everything was fine because there's no immediate danger whatsoever what someone planned this again a weirdly specific thing to think an intrusive thought in nature to think interesting um and then the pastor who is played by none other than the the lovely and beautiful tori Trittine, steps forward and um uh, gives this speech where she goes over the what is what is courage you know and she says courage is the mental or moral strength to venture persevere or withstand danger fear or difficulty so that that line actually ended up being pretty good i i i didn't i i remember i i was actually in a church as i was writing the show i i was in a church and i saw that written on a whiteboard and i was like that's really cool that i just stumbled across that i'm, I'm gonna put that that in this play and it kind of became the tagline for the show and and um people did did find uh meaning in that you know i i, I even truthfully i i right right here next to me i have a, a kai who played dr young actually made a really cool uh, collage out of like old comic book covers and and put that uh quote on on there so uh, you know it, it was something that uh that kind of resonated with people i guess the, the the small amount of people that came to see it and and you know also that that thing was super cool and i still have it and it, it, it meant a lot to me um but uh, yeah that that's basically what happens and you know nathan has now i guess as he's taken that step where he was put in that extreme situation but he didn't lose his cool he was able to calm himself down uh he finds Another thing, and and the way that this part of the suit is found is is really weird. Um, it says people begin shuffling out of the church. Uh, you know, this is after the, the you know we can't continue with our service. The power is not going to come back. Uh, please uh, leave in leave in an orderly fashion. Uh, and as uh, Nathan and Nathan finds Gina, it says she's holding something wrapped in a black cloth. And and Gina says Nathan, I'm going over to Barbara's for a bit. And Nathan says, Okay, what's that? And Gina says. <laughs> It's just some cool rocks she's letting me borrow. Rocks. And and it, Gina unwraps them and takes them into her hand. She gives Nathan the cloth and says, do something with this. And and Nathan unravels it to find it is Batman's cape. Weird. This girl, Barbara, just... Ooh, I want to... I, 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 I want to give Gina some rocks. I'm going to bring them to church with me. I'm going to bring a handful of rocks with me to church. And give it to Gina. And then And then, you know... Why did she bring them if if she's just gonna invite Gina over anyway? What? A cool, a bunch of cool rocks that Gina's let me borrow or uh, Barbara's let me borrow. Weird. But you know, why didn't she just say like, "Hey, can you?" I, I I was wearing this sweater or something, but it's it's I'm hot now, so here, can you take this home for me? And that's the cape. Or I don't know. It's it's weird. Um, and then that's that's the cape. We only have one more piece of the suit and then we go back to nathan's room and basically nathan is uh pretty much done with joker he's pissed at joker in general and uh he's gained a lot of confidence now and and he's you know kind of learned a lot about his anxiety and, and how to keep it at bay so he's kind of he kind of takes control back in this scene and he and bruce kind of talk back go back and forth what is what is courage you know and then they say things like you know uh, uh, courage is fighting even when you know you could lose. Courage is standing up for what you believe in even when you know when no one else agrees, which is not really a point that we 
covered in this play, but okay. I guess a little bit in the uh, very odd um, debate about the existence of God in that was tacked onto this play and not really <laughs> doesn't really go anywhere. And, uh, and again, the other things like uh, courage is when you're up against impossible odds, but still press on. Stuff like that. And then uh, Joker's kind of like, enough, stop it. And Nathan says, yeah, you're right, I have had enough. And and he says, Bruce, there's something in the closet over there that you might find useful, go get it. Which is, you know, a cool idea that, you know, every other piece in of the suit so far has kind of, he's kind of, like, found or stumbled upon or has kind of fallen into his lap. The last piece, when he's gained the confidence and he, he knows what he's up against and he knows what he's dealing with he takes control he takes the the the, all the power and he actually says that's where it is um i i I, as as though he he you know he just forgot and he remembered where where the final piece was all along which is a cool kind of concept a cool idea and in the closet is batman's cowl and uh, so, so Nathan and Batman w- uh, win, and and Joker runs off, and then we transition to this scene that takes place in Nathan's mind, where is this really fun thing where, uh, you know, the Joker squad is surrounding the Joker to protect him, and um, <laughs> and and uh, they uh, one by one they get picked off by Batman until Joker is uh, alone, and um. Then Batman comes on and says, hey, whatever you do, I will always be stronger than you. And he throws Joker into like a small compartment, uh, which in this production was a very, very narrow closet that I threw Avery into very rather aggressively because, you know, (laughs) we didn't really have a a, a fight choreographer slash captain for this show. So we were doing things (laughs) in a way that was not wildly unsafe, but also not, you know you shouldn't be shoving people into dirty old dusty closets um and you know hey cool batman is in control again and uh nathan has kept his anxiety at bay again uh and you know the idea that he doesn't like lock him away for good he just keeps him at bay so he's you know uh and then that's that's kind of that and and i'll I'll talk about this scene more specifically I'll, i'll play the audio of this scene a little bit um but uh so that that that's that and hey what do we do if Nathan says hey what do we do if uh we lose the suit again and and Batman says we find it and then that's the end of that scene and then we we go into the final scene which is Nathan with uh, uh Maggie at Maggie's house they're playing with the kittens again Nathan has adopted one of the kittens and and Maggie says what are you going to name your kitten Nathan and Nathan says I'm going to name him Bruce Bruce you're going to name a cat Bruce? And not like ironically, like not like, oh, haha, it's funny to name a cat like such a serious name, Bruce. Like, because it means something to you. Yeah, th- this cat's name is Bruce. <laughs> That's weird. What, all these cats with these weird names in this show. And, uh, you know, he's feeling more confident. And, you know, there's a bit where Dr. Young comes on stage. And, uh, you know, Maggie says, do you think you're over it permanently? And he says, no, I think that I'll have to live with it. And she kind of says, you know, sometimes it comes and goes. You you keep it at bay, but, you know, it's impossible to live without anxiety. And Batman comes out and says, he quotes, he quotes the Dark Knight Returns comic book run when he says, the war rages on, which is a little melodramatic, but it works, I guess. It makes the point. 
and uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, and the show ends with Nathan saying, you know, I kind of like to think of courage and fear as Batman and the Joker. One can't exist without the other, but as long as there's a Joker, there will always be a Batman to lock him up. And they both exit, and it says, the final stage direction, the bat signal flashes on stage. Blackout. And we did not get a bat signal. We did not have the budget for a bat signal. We, we blew the budget on the bat suit. So that didn't happen. There was just a blackout. And that's the end of our play. Um, it's funny. I was reading through this. And, you know, as I said before, I was wearing a lot of hats for this show. So I... I, I had a, I hadn't really learned how to, you know, I, I was juggling all these things and I was a young kid, so there, there were undoubtedly parts of this show that kind of, kind of got cut un unintentionally as we were in performances because, you know, we were having trouble, me specifically, I was having trouble remembering my lines, so there were parts of this show that I was like, I don't remember writing that at all, I don't remember that being part of it, probably because it wasn't, because I wasn't remembering, but, um, before we talk about some scenes uh, in, in more detail, obviously, I, I must apologize because I, I, I've been toying with you a lot this, this episode. Um, so, obviously, as I said near, at about the beginning of the script, uh, the synopsis, um, there is there was a theory that kind of developed as I was reading this show... Uh, uh for, to prepare for this episode and as i've said multiple times throughout the, the the synopsis there are these points where nathan is is afraid and fixate fixates on on certain things that are very specific and and very the thoughts as joker kind of just brings them up are are very intrusive in nature and and you know he kind of obsesses over these very specific things that aren't just general anxiety but are very specific things and it's interesting he 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 expresses these things you know being afraid of of being kicked down a flight of stairs at school or uh, the bus going off the bridge or or um uh, a gas leak in a movie theater and and you know very specific things very intrusive thoughts to have because they kind of just come out of nowhere and and he obsesses and, and fixates and you know is god real or not things like that and it's interesting it's almost like as we're as we're going over that there's this we see more evidence of it throughout the show and this theory begins a brewing in my mind as i'm reading it you know nathan it's almost reading as as you go through the script that nathan doesn't simply just have general anxiety Nathan almost appears to have something more akin to something more specific, something that seems almost as though it could be something along the lines of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Because think about it, he he's fixating on these things, he's thinking these intrusive thoughts that he can't get past, they worry him so much and he, they alarm him and, and he starts to obsess about them, and though he doesn't have particular compulsions in this story, he does definitely have the obsessive tendencies. So all of these things, all of these things that I've mentioned throughout the, the show contribute to this idea that perhaps Nathan is ob obsessive compulsive. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, which it's truthfully looking back at it. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting for, for a multitude of reasons that, that, uh, that was something that I did. I don't, I, I don't really know 
how I how I how I mistakenly did that. I think what it was truthfully was I was trying to think of specific reasons that he had to be afraid when I didn't need to have very specific reasons. The Joker should have been operating in the gray areas in in you know on the fence of like well what if something bad happens and and it's just you know it doesn't have to be super specific. I think I was just trying to think of very specific examples. Uh but uh you know so interesting theory. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking that. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know it just feels like, you know, I unintentionally, it's a play about anxiety, and it's not like I completely missed the mark, because, you know, OCD is, is you know, centered and based within anxiety. Uh, but it's just an interesting thing that that was something that I did, and, and you know, so I guess, yeah, finding the suit. Uh, Nathan, Nathan, I guess, fan theory. Nathan has, does Nathan have OCD in a... Uh, <laughs> finding the suit. But anyway, let's talk about some scenes in more detail here. Let's go to the Dr. Young scene, because this this scene is really interesting. Um, So, we we go to this... We, we, it's right after Maggie invites him to the movie. Um, We're in Dr. Young's office, and uh, they have this... Such a bland conversation. You know, Dr. Young's explaining these these things about how the brain works. You know, she says... Well, just to give you an idea, she says, well, you may be experiencing an interesting mechanism of the brain. You see, the, the brain acts like any other muscle of the body in a lot of ways. Take, for example, when you learn how to ride a bike, you repeat the action of attempting to ride a bike so often that after a while, your body can just automatically, pro you know, kind of analytical and, and just very bland. Uh, terrible, terrible dialogue. And, and you know, it should be said, and, and I want to emphasize this point. All the actors in this show were were so wonderful. They really brought this to life in 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 a, in a good way. And, and and you know, this scene is so bland. But uh, Kai, who played Doctor Young, and and also you know, obviously Gabe, who played Nathan, and Avery as Joker, they did really, and specifically Kai had some really difficult dialogue here. It was so bland. Uh, she she brought real heart to it, and and it it did end up being very good. And and as did as did. Gabe, you know, through, you know, it's, it's, it always holds a special place in my heart when I think back to it, because, you know, it, it was something that we were so passionate about, and we really brought it to life in a fun way for, for a bunch of kids in a basement, so, you know, we had a great time with it, and, and so, when I'm saying that these things are ridiculous, I do not mean in any way the actors, because if, if things were ridiculous, it's more ridiculous how it reads on the page and also the dialogue that I was putting into the mouths of these characters. So, anyway, Dr. Young basically asks, uh, when was your first experience with anxiety? And it's a flashback to young Nathan and young Maggie. So Jack Trittine as young Nathan and, and Isabel Onderly as young Maggie. Uh, and so it says... Uh, they're they're light sounds light sounds of traffic. They're they're hanging out. They're outside somewhere. And young Maggie says, Nathan, right across the street is the new frozen yogurt place. Want to go out? Want to go check it out? Uh, I have some. I have ten dollars for my birthday. I'll pay for both of us. And young Nathan says, okay. And uh, young Maggie starts walking across the street. And Nathan goes, Maggie, wait. And it says, there's the sound of a car screeching to a halt. Young Maggie runs to the other side of the road. She almost got hit by a car. It, in, in, in the same way that, you know, as I mentioned, my, my, my cat in my youth got hit by a car and killed instantly. So too does it almost happen to Maggie here. Um, and she says nonchalantly, whoops, I didn't see them. 
And Nathan says, you almost got killed. And Maggie says, Nathan, calm down. You're always acting like my mother. You can't, you can wait, for, you can wait for the crosswalk. I'm going ahead to order. Nathan, yeah, so what? I almost got hit by a, a car and died instantly. I, you're being such a little baby about it. Yeah, I almost got run down by a Subaru Forester coming down the, the highway at 70 miles an hour. But if I die, I die. What are you freaking out about? And, you know, I guess like, you know, it's, it's a situation that, frazzling for sure, but we don't, you know, Nathan doesn't show a, a through line of having a fear of, you know, crossing the street in this play. So how does that contribute to, you know, feelings of anxiety? And then young Maggie exits and young Nathan stands there waiting for her to come out of the yogurt shop. It says, oh boy. Then it says a few seconds later, a few seconds after Maggie has exited, oh boy, a homeless druggie enters. Oh no, Ellie, Ellie, why did you write that? That's not what? And he says, and it should be said, who did I cast as the homeless druggie? The, none other than the woman who, who some, uh, six, seven years later is now my, my, my current girlfriend, Tori Trittine, playing, you know, this homeless druggie, and you know, she, she really put her all into it, she wore a leather jacket, put a rough expression on her face, and you know, I guess, uh, pretended to be tweaking on PCP, and so, great performance, she did great, she comes out and she says, hey little guy, got any cash? And young Nathan goes, Maggie, Maggie, where are you? And and the homeless person goes, Jeez, kid, calm down. Like, and then leaves him alone, walks away. And and why does it say homeless druggie? It's 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 not like there's nothing here indicating that they are high or otherwise on drugs, and also nothing indicating that they're even homeless. All that the the the, the lady did was ask, hey, do you have a like an extra buck on you or something? Like, I, I need to catch the bus, man. But I'm I'm a dollar short. Can I can I just borrow a, a dollar? <laughs> but and and you know, Nathan freaks out about it. And uh and then this is the best part. After the druggy leaves, don't know why we're dragging homeless people into this. Like like, yeah guys, homeless people are scary. No, that's a terrible message. That's so bad. Not my intention at all, obviously. The idea is that, you know, the feeling of of helplessness and fear of like, uh, oh gosh, I'm I'm alone, I'm scared, you know. What what do I do? Not that you know, I'm trying to say that there was danger in that person, but just the idea of a kid feeling vulnerable and alone. Um <laughs> Maggie comes back and says, Nathan, are you coming? And Nathan says, yeah, sorry, I'm coming now. And the flashback ends. That's it. And, you know, if, if you know, Nathan had a fear of crossing the street and a fear of homeless people, I guess this would fit. But, you know, Dr. Young asks, when was the first time you experienced uh, a, a similar feeling to of, of anxiety to what you're feeling now? And Nathan's response is, when I was a little kid, uh, I was trying to get uh, frozen yogurt with my best friend, and she almost got hit by a car, and then I was approached by someone who asked me for a dollar, and then uh, when I didn't have one, left me alone. And it scared me. I feel like if I'm the therapist, I go, huh, okay, well... <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Not my question. Not the question that I asked whatsoever. Could could you talk maybe specifically more about um feeling anxious and and not as frazzled? Like it doesn't answer the question. It doesn't contribute anything. It doesn't contribute to the idea. And you know, again, you could argue it's this feeling of the anxiety of feeling vulnerable and alone, but we don't lean into that. We lean into him being afraid 
uh, of the fact that he almost witnessed his friend get run down, mowed over by by some <laughs> madman with road rage, and and then I guess be approached by by someone on the street, which you know, again, not sure why we're why we're this person who who has no indication of there's no indication of being homeless or a druggie. I want to say that Tori made like a sign that said <laughs> I, I want to say that Tori made like a sign that said like hungry please donate or something. And and you know what? Just for fun, uh, I'll I'll play the audio of this scene uh right now for you guys to enjoy because Tori's performance was was quite stellar. So here you go. See, th th there's that. Uh, you can really tell, uh, uh, Tori. <laughs> she she sold it. I mean, you can tell just just in her voice. She, she is she is battling demons. <laughs> the, the 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 line of coke she did right before she she approached that little boy. Man, she is. There is something going on there. She is not all there. Uh, ridiculous. It's a ridiculous scene. And 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 I, I say I say that jokingly. Obviously, you know. <laughs> Tori was not working with a lot here, and and she did. Tori is a Tori is a, one of the most talented people I know. So so I'm obviously not making fun of her. She she is absolutely wonderful. I love you, babe. That's what I'm saying. I love you. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make fun of you. Is what I'm saying. Um, so then let's talk right right after this. Uh, when when uh, Doctor Young mentions, you know, you have to unteach yourself. Nathan gets upset. He, the, Dr. Young freezes, and now we're in a plane of reality that only Nathan, Bruce, and Joker are able to move freely in. And Nathan says, unteach. What does she mean, unteach? And Joker says, she means you're beyond help. Now let's go home. And Nathan says, what, what kind of cycle is she talking about? And Bruce kind of gets frustrated. He says, you didn't think this was going to be easy, did you? These kinds of things take time to undo. It won't go away simply because you want it to. And Nathan says, because I want it to. You're standing right there. You've bested gods, fought the most powerful beings on the planet, but you can't take care of her when she's standing right there. And again, it's another thing where, you know, you could argue, well, uh, you've bested gods, fought the most powerful beings on the planet. You can, you know, you could say, you know, courage was required to do those things. So it's not, it's not just Batman. It's, it's saying courage is required to do those things that are, are, seem impossible, but you know. Um, but again, it's just a, a weird direct reference to the Batman mythos, and we continue that here when he says, uh, you know, lots of people emphasize the countless thugs I've beaten to a pulp, the amount of psychopaths I've locked up, and all the times I've punched a goody, a dumbass goody two-shoes alien in the jaw, but no one, no one wants to talk about the amount of work I did get to get there, and you know, he's saying, you know, I had to train myself to get to the point where I could win the fights, you have to do that now, so the idea is there, but it's just confusing it's like we don't lean enough into the idea that he's Batman. Like, he is Batman. 
which is fine. He can be Batman, but lean into that idea or lean into the idea that he is purely a figment of Nathan's imagination, but it's in this, in this uncanny valley and it makes it uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, he says, I, once I started winning after training, I never stopped. And Nathan says, what are you trying to say? And Bruce says, what I'm trying to say is that it's your turn to train. It's time for you to train yourself to break the cycle of fear you're in right now. You've lost a lot, Nathan, but with a little effort, you can start to win. And, and I don't like that as I read this. I, I, I don't like that he, he says with a little effort as though Nathan's not trying. That's not a good, a good way to put it. Um, I think what I meant was, was you need to, he, Nathan needs to understand that he's going to have to work smarter, not harder to get over it, you know, or, or to, or to understand it. Uh, but you know, with a little effort, that makes it sound like he's saying, you're not trying, Nathan, you're not trying hard enough. And then, and then he says, you know, you can start to win. And this line is weird. He says, and beat her punk ass every time she shows her greasy pale face. What? It's weird that you <laughs> said that very aggressively. Um, and then uh, he says, you know, it's going to be tough, but you can do it. And I'm here to fight for you, but you've got to meet me halfway, which is a good line, actually. I think that works. You know, the idea that, you know, you can be naturally courageous, but you need to you need to sometimes do mental upkeep. You know, you need to take care of your mental health and, and understand yourself and, and your own mind to uh, uh, fully embrace and, and go out into the world with confidence. So, you know, you've got to meet yourself halfway. Sure, that works. Um, and then, yeah, there's that. So then, then let's go to our movie theater scene. <laughs> this is ridiculous. So we, we're in the movie theater. Uh, they go into the movie and, uh, the lights go down and the movie starts. And Joker says, it's dark in here. And Bruce says, so? And Joker says, so you never know what someone might be doing. And then we have the whole thing with the air where Joker says, what's that? Hope it's not a gas leak. Those things make even the biggest buildings go boom. <laughs> Joker says, you know, the guy two rows back looked kind of sketchy. And th who do you think was playing the sketchy guy in the back? T take a wild guess. Bet <laughs> you can already, you're already picking up what, I put, what I'm putting down here. Tori, again, once again, the, the, the woman that I am, uh, is, is one of the most important people to me in the world, always has been, always will be, who I love so dearly, whom I would die for. The, the guy is playing all the all the scary people in this play. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, <laughs> so so she's the sketchy guy in the movie theater, really putting that leather jacket to good use, look, making yourself look rough <laughs> to and, and like a like a threat to this little boy. Um, and again, not that these people aren't even dangerous. They're not even rough. They're only perceived as being rough. Nathan is only profiling them as being rough. This guy is just here trying to enjoy a movie. And the other guy was just looking for some extra cash. What? There's no danger. It's just that Nathan is, is you know, and, and you could argue, you know, your anxiety makes you, you think crazy things that makes you draw conclusions that aren't true or aren't even fair all the time. Uh, which is so, you know, there's that, but it's just like, you know, and of course Tori's, you know, <laughs> coming in clutch playing all the scary people in the play. So th thank you for, for shouldering that burden, Tori. And I love you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and, uh, so, you know, 
and you know he says you know the, the guy two, two rows back looked kind of sketchy you know maybe he's a villain like me maybe maybe he's the real joker maybe, maybe bane is sitting three rows behind you and will snap your back in half in the middle of this movie uh and bruce says you know i'm sure he's fine so you know we have this idea that as he gets more pieces of the suit he nathan doesn't duck out right away he actually can compose himself more as we go so there is that progression um and then uh maggie goes hey nathan are you okay and nathan says fine and then it says you know someone in one of the rows behind nathan crinkles a bottle uh and joker goes what was that and bruce says pretty sure it was just a bottle and joker says was it and bruce says i think so and and joker tries to basically convince him that it was a gun as i said i think before and uh yeah that that's that's that and um you know what? What else is there really to talk about in 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 detail here? Not much. You know what? Let, let's let's talk about this this final fight scene. And you know, I could read it, but I think it would be best for me to just let you let you listen to this scene here. Uh, just 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 listen to this scene. This is when w right after Bruce gets the cowl and he's Batman again, and uh, we we go into Nathan's mind and we have this fight scene. So here, just just take a listen to this. He is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I give, I give, I won't bother the kid anymore. Just leave me alone. You knew this was going to happen from the start. You always knew. say uh gabe gabe was so good about this when when i as i said in in my episode with mr doyle and the doctor you know i was or not mr doyle and the doctor uh uh the vengeance of batman during this time for some reason i was just in this mad dash to play batman on stage get me in that suit in front of everyone i want to be batman and you know th this was a thing that fit are what we stood for as a theater company, you know, talking about issues that were were um, prevalent and and uh, relevant to young people, and 
Gabe was so supportive, 100%, from, from the beginning. When I, when I pitched this show to him, I said, you know, Gabe, it's a Batman thing. I know that I, I kind of go crazy with that, but, you know, uh, I feel like this show really has a good message. And Gabe w was so supportive. He said, you know what, Elliot, this aligns really well with what we're trying to do with this theater company. Uh, so, yes, you, you have my permission. Go crazy. Put yourself in that in that cowl and gallivant around as Batman for 40 minutes in front of a live audience. And, uh, you know, it, it was he was very supportive. And, and uh, you know, it, it really, you know, it, he, he kind of made made a young kid's dream come true in a way. You know, I, I, for, for just a moment, I got to be Batman in front of people and it was a beautiful thing for me. Uh, so thank you, Gabe. Um, but, uh, it, it, you know, it should be said, I was 16 years old. I was a lanky 16 year old boy with bushy sideburns. I, I was, you know, I, I felt cool, but, uh, it, it, it arguably came off more as, uh, awkward than it did a uh, badass so um but you know a, a fun little thing and this show specifically this reminds me of another thing this show specifically um i this was our this recording took place on our final show and i was fired up you know we we had worked so hard on this there was like a year of development that went into this and it came to fruition and, and it was successful and, and our turnout we the first show we did three shows or did we do four i don't remember uh, our first show, we had like 10 people show up and it was mostly immediate family. Second show, more people showed up. And by the third show, we had like a full house. I don't remember how many pe how many people we could seat in, in our, you know, audience of fold-up chairs. But we we had, word of mouth had basically spread. And, and, and a lot of people in, you know, the theater community actually came out and, and gave it a look. Uh... So there were a few people here, and it was it was such a, an amazing feeling to to feel like you know wow, people are coming to see my show. So I was fired up, and this was our closing night. So <laughs> I I uh, I I added something <laughs> to the show near the end, and I'll play the clip for you. Let's just just let's just see if you can if you can identify in this clip what line I added. I I, I bet you will. Just just give this a listen and, and see which which line you think it is. Locked her up. Of course I did! I'm the goddamn Batman! <laughs> you locked her up. I mean, all this time you thought she'd taken the control you lost. Yeah, I, I, just, uh, I just said that. Not, not prompted, not uh, scripted, completely out of the blue. I didn't even realize I was going to do it until the moment came. You know, I, I, I was fired up. I was excited. I was feeling accomplished and really good about myself. And, uh, the spirit of the dark knight overtook me and I chose violence for some reason. And the look on Gabe's face is a look I will never forget. It was the most pure, unbridled, earnest, gobsmacked look I've ever seen in anyone's eyes and, and on their face. <laughs> he, he, he betrayed himself in that moment, and, and it was very clear that uh, everyone knew I had faked that, or not faked it, but added that line. Uh, and, and Tori and the others, of course, told me that standing backstage and in the wings as I said that was, uh, it, it felt like the earth stood still for a moment as everyone realized, did he really just say that? Um, 
and I did, and it, it's there, and it was super crazy. So yeah, that's uh, finding the suit. I feel like, and you know, another thing about as as long as I'm talking about you know this that the crazy things about this show and and you know the bonding experiences between these people and and you know between Tori and I specifically, as I said. I had these bushy sideburns at this point. Um, and I didn't shave them. I, like, refused to shave them for some reason. And it made... The cowl is made of rubber, so it's hard to get it on without, you know, pull the sideburns and it would hurt. So, instead of shaving, shaving my sideburns, what we would do is, as I exited to follow the Joker... Tori was waiting in the wings for me with a spray bottle, and she would spray the inside of the cowl and, <laughs> and the sides of my face so that I could slide that sucker on. We had to lubricate it every time. And, um, <laughs> so many... I, I want to say it was this show, actually, where, um... We we somehow lost the spray bottle. We, we misplaced it. I want to say we needed it for another thing, like maybe at the beginning to get it it out of, or to get it, my head into it went for the first entrance. Um, we misplaced the bottle, and it wasn't where it was supposed to be for that final scene. So we didn't know what to do. Tori just says to me, I, I, I remember the f how frantic she seemed. She was like, well, I can't find the bottle. I don't know where it is. Uh, and nearby was just a bottle of water, like a, a bottle of Dasani. And Tori went, thinking quickly, you know, as Tori does, Tori is literally one of, if not the most smartest person I know. The most smartest? Well, clearly, <laughs> clearly she's the smart one, and I'm, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the not-so-smart one, if that's how I'm putting it. But, uh, you know, being the smartest person I know, and, and the savvy, uh, uh, person that I know, she grabbed the water bottle, opened it, and just glug, 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 <laughs> emptied half of it into the and started sloshing it around put it on my head and uh i was soaking wet and it was ridiculous but who cares we were having a great time running around getting to be batman you know it's what a special special experience and and i i i make fun of it and and i, I everyone i talk to about this I, and I'll talk about this a lot more in the next episode as well, when I go when I kind of end with the overview of the whole experience of both of these productions, but I should say about this one. This was the first experience I ever had with writing something and putting something up, and people came to see it. And, and people not only came, but they had good things to say about it. People were very, you know, obviously it was written by kids, and there were tons and tons of glaring, ridiculous problems with it, and it was goofy, but it was... It was something that, in a capacity, in, in some capacity, reached people. And I'll talk more about that concept, the idea of reaching people, not just in with and through art, but in general, reaching people. It's such a special thing, and and having the the ability to to do that, even though this is one of the two productions of this show and one of the only productions of any of my work that's been put up thus far. It taught me something so important about that, about why we make art, but I'll talk about that in the next episode. Uh, it, it, this show is so special, you know? It, it would not have been possible if it weren't for the support of all of these people, all of these good, wonderful, wonderful people and wonderful, wonderful friends that 
truthfully supported me and and even though they undoubtedly thought it was ridiculous and undoubtedly knew that I, there was part of me that was doing this because I wanted to get in that Batman suit and I wanted to be Batman. Every single person who contributed to this production in the cast, uh, and you know, I, I would say crew, but truthfully, the cast was the crew. Um, and I, each and every one of them supported me in that. They They could clearly see how passionate I was about it, how much... I was just this comic book nerd kid that wanted just for a moment to be Batman, you know? And, um, you know, there was a very important message, a very personal message to all of us and to many young people, especially in the age of technology where we're all hyper-connected and, you know, social media causes so many problems for, for young people. This story felt so important and and... The way that we told it with Batman and the Joker, again, I'm not going to go into exactly what I would do differently here because I'm going to do that in the next episode. But it didn't, it wasn't terrible. The The concept and the allegory was there. And and it did work to a degree. And it and, and did read well. It read to people in, in the way that it, it, it came off the way we meant for it to. And, you know, for just one beautiful moment, all of my friends came forward and held me up while I, for just one moment, was Batman. They just let me be Batman for a moment. And that was so special, and it meant so much to me. So, uh, not to not to get overly sentimental. So, let's move on now to our... Um, to our little thing, we're gonna we're gonna go over some testimonials from actors. Uh, some of these are are uh, recorded by by the actors. Some of them are uh, written, and I will I will go over them now. So to start, how about we start with um, the, the lovely lovely and talented uh, Casey Dobson who played Maggie. Also, I I didn't I don't know if I mentioned this when I went over the cast list, but. Uh, it should be said, Jack Burns was our stage manager, a young man by the name of Jack Burns, who was one of the two people, myself included, who experienced both of these productions. But again, we'll we'll get to that in more in the second episode. So Casey sent in this little testimonial for you guys, and uh, let's just let's just listen to it. Um, finding the suit was truly a magical experience for myself and all involved. Um, did we put up Hamilton numbers? Not precisely. That being said, uh, memories were formed, friendships were created, bonds to last a lifetime, truly. And I'm still really proud of it. I think it was so fun. And I think we were robbed of uh, an honorary Tony. And that's all I have to say on that. Yes, truly a, a magical experience, you know, that especially in that first scene where, where the whole audience uh, just watches me get all my clothes ripped off by the Joker, uh, you know, in front of, uh, what, 50 people, was it? Uh, and, you know, when you consider uh, the percentages, uh, Hamilton had, had, a, had full houses, has full houses a lot, I'm sure. Uh, we had a full house our last show, so according to the percentages, we didn't run, have Hamilton numbers, but we had Hamilton percentages. And no, no, we did not get our honorary Tony, but you know, I am f filming this the day after the Oscars, and it should it, it should be said, you know, 
Will Smith pulled that stunt of, you know, smacking uh, uh, Chris Rock across the face. If he loses his Oscar, you know, I think there's a good, there's a good argument to be made that, uh, you know, Finding the Suit could just kind of slip in there and, you know, you know, take the Oscar home. You know, piece of live theater happened in 2016. But, uh, I mean, hey, when you consider, between me and Will Smith, one of us smacked the host of the Oscars and acted completely erratic, and one of us didn't. So, who really deserves the Oscar between those two? Um, so, uh, anyway, moving on. Thank you, Casey, for your, your, your lovely words. Friendships were, in fact, made. Connections were made. Um, let's, let's do our, our, our wonderful stage manager, Jack Burns. Let's do his next. So, here's, here's some words from Jack Burns. So, I was thinking about finding the suit the other day. And honestly, it wasn't that terrible of a production, uh, given the fact that it was being produced by a bunch of 13 through 16-year-olds in the basement of a church. So honestly, given the circumstances, we did pretty well. Yes, I, I agree. Very, very, very sweet. Good, very good to hear. You know, not not just uh, 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 wonderful words from Jack Burns. It's also just good to hear hear from you, Jack. It's been a minute since it's uh, since I heard your voice. Very, very lovely to hear from you. And yeah, you know, it, it, when you consider, we were a bunch of kids in a basement, in a church basement, and and we were working with what we had, and we still, you know. We put our hearts and our souls into these shows, and, and we were very passionate about it, and we made something. That's cool. You know, when you consider that, that how, how special it is to, to create something out of, out of nothing. That's what we did. We, we just did this in a church basement, man. And we were working with what we had, and, and we, we just had fun with it, and we, we, we made a story, even if the story involved, you know... <laughs> A, a weird <laughs> dichotomy between Batman and the Joker in the mind of a young boy, you know? Uh, so, th th you know, I, I agree. It was, it, you know, not as bad as it could have been. It, it was competent. It, uh, to create a, for a bunch of young people to create a competent piece of theater in the basement of a church, what more can you really ask for from, from those people? You know, a really special thing. So, so it, it was cool. Yeah. Um, Next, we have a few words from uh, Isabel Onderly. Let's just get right to that. This show was my last acting experience ever, I think. That's all. You know, this is, this, see, this is the take I, I'm really interested in. Um, <laughs> I, I don't blame you. I mean, after that scene, you know, where, where young Maggie almost gets, you know, run down by, by a car, you know, what... What is the, I think what you mean, Isabel, this is just what I'm gleaning from this, when you, when you play a role that has so much meat to it, you know, when you play a role that has so much, you can go so many places with it, not just young Maggie, but also Gina, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the war criminal, you could say, you know, someone who perhaps has not committed crimes against humanity, but, you know, feels a little bit like they have. Uh, once you play roles as complex as those two, where can you go? So, of course, it was your last acting experience, Isabel. There was nowhere you could go but down. Um, and, you know, in fairness, though, in, in all reality, I'm sure that this experience scared you away from the, the art of theater. So, uh, I don't blame you for that either. So, uh, so sorry that I guess I, um, 
I, I soured live theater for you. Uh, uh, but uh, thank you for being being a part of this production you played these roles in a lovely way and uh i i i i, I don't blame you for, for for not wanting to do theater after doing finding this suit um next let's talk a little bit here let's let's go over tori sent over a, a little thing to me last night that i will read aloud to you now so tori wrote I played the role of the church pastor. It was a little unclear what her actual job was. The pastor. It was in the script as pastor. Uh, but, you know, it, she is right. It was unclear. Because when you consider... And I'm getting off track. But when you consider, you know, the pastor just steps forward and is like, Oh, we're experiencing a power outage. Like, the pastor went to the 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 the, the breaker or the generator themselves uh and, and checked it that's so yeah job was pretty unclear that's fair uh and she says you know i as well i also played uh the sketchy guy in the movie theater don't forget the druggy tori you also did that uh and she said i took my roles very seriously especially when i was given the task of spraying water all over elliot's head yep uh the most memorable moments of the play for me wasn't even in the script it was when Elliot decided to go off script and scream, of course I did, I'm the goddamn Batman, in front of everyone in the church basement without telling anyone his plan. Is this commonly what's accepted about this? No, I didn't plan it. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I had a plan that, that uh, struck me like, like lightning, like, like the fire of knowledge was, was suddenly smacking me across the face from you know high above in the heavens but I, I certainly didn't this was not a coup by any means but uh you know i i uh uh <laughs> I, I i it was a crazy memory and i'm glad that at the very least it's remembered fondly by people and and you know tori as always with this stuff took her her roles very seriously as she takes everything so seriously with with you know tasks that she has to carry out in in work and then for for people that she cares about you know because you know one of the reasons that i love her is <laughs> that uh you know if you if you need me to, to rattle off all the lists of reasons that i love my girlfriend which you know we we don't have enough time in a any podcast ever to go over i guess i could do that but uh you know uh uh you know tori tori is always you know such a special person to involve in these things and and th these memories were so special in, in no small part because she was involved uh then then lastly let's let's talk about jack jack Tratine. he he sent over a little thing that i'll read for you now uh jack said finding the suit was an awesome production to be a part of we all had a great time creating this literal piece of art Elliot was a very involved director and his vision for this play was extremely unique and powerful. This one made me tear up when I saw it because, you know, uh, I, 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 I can never tell if I'm just too hard on myself about it. You know, it, it was a show that I, I, I'm obviously as everyone is when they are a creator of some kind, I, I'm a creator, but like as everyone is when they, um, create something uh we're, we're so uh, we're so critical of it and people a lot of people do say a lot of the people that were you know around at this time when this show was done said things like this to me about how not about you know a literal piece of art not that everyone was saying that but um 
people were very supportive and, and said very nice things about it. And I think that I can be overly critical all the live long day. I can explain all of the ridiculous things that happen in this script and all the others that I talk about on this, on this podcast, truthfully. But all that really matters about this show, like, cause I was 16 at the time and, and you know, we were kids. All that matters is that it came off the way it was supposed to. We told a story about, um, an issue that we felt was important and we told it in a way that we had fun with and was a little ridiculous and zany, but was enjoyable. And I think, um, that's really, that's really what's important. And, you know, to, to do these shows and after every show we did like three ever after each of the three, four performances to have people come up to me and say, Hey, I, I really see what you were trying to do there. Good job was a very special, special thing. Um, and as I said before, the ardent support I got, not just from the cast, but also from, you know, family, my own family and the families of the cast members and the families of those that came to see it. It, it's not just humbling, but it's like, it's such a small thing, you know? It, it was a show done in, in a church basement. It's such a niche, niche little thing. But it's so profound, the effect that it has on us and on me. Uh, and, and you know, I, I, I said it before, but I'll say it again. It, it's such a special... It, it takes really, really special people, special friends, to, no matter how ridiculous they think it is, support their friend and lift their friend up and let him let him be batman just for a moment um so yeah i i'll talk more about um sort of some of those ideas in the next episode but uh you know uh as ridiculous as certain pieces of this show are and you know the the joker in nathan's mind telling him to do things and you know these silly little things um i i love this show i i loved this production I, I and it it still means so much to me, and it, in no small part, it means so much to me because of the people that made it so special, that that held me up and supported me. This show was still to to me one of the most special things ever. So um, thank you to everyone who took part in that. I I love you all dearly, always will. Um, and thank you for for you know, thank you for for letting me be your Batman. So that seems like a good place to end this episode today. So, um, yeah, we, uh, there, again, no, um, poll this week because, uh, we're gonna jump into the, the second production of this, the Pathways production, which, uh, this one had a, 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 a way, way more resources, you know, cause we were doing it at a high school and, uh, uh, you know, uh, we were in a beautiful, beautiful space and, and all that stuff and, and, you know, a whole new script. And, and therefore, a whole different host of crazy, ridiculous things. And, you know, here and there, the odd problem that occurred as well. Um, so there's your little preview of that. So, you know, no no poll this week. We're just going to jump right into that. Um, but yeah, thank, thank you all for joining me for this uh, trip down memory lane, this little exploration of this crazy little thing that happened in my life. And uh, yeah, thank you for being here with me. Thanks for listening, and I'll... I'll Catch you all next week. Goodbye.